I told you this is the happiest moment I could ever experience in my life. But I'm in the baptismal tank, in this case on the lake, at Camp Wakanda. Had the privilege to say to Kevin, the Lord has given you a new wife in Christ. Amen? Amen. Then I said to Michelle, Michelle, the Lord has given you a new husband in Christ. What a joyful moment that was. And I wanted to thank our brother Andy for taking those pictures and um, making it possible for us to have these memories uh, of them in this day in their lives and to see their children. Today when I see Richard and Christy with the family together, this is all what heaven is all about. We're looking forward to that day. When we can see the fruits of our walk here. How the Lord led us in this journey. I need your help. I am beginning to memorize some names by now. I know Carol and Bob right there. They're the first one that I get to see. When I saw Sister Betty uh, during the song service or some of the songs. She was there so straight up singing with so much energy. Then when I saw here Sandy, then Yolanda, I was impressed. It was like they were, you know, what word can I use? Like those five hour energy drink. I mean, like they drank a whole gallon of it. They were so pumped up. And I was so thrilled. To see them, three of our sister deaconesses there, seeing our brothers and sisters. I told them in the office, my dear friends from Congo, that in that moment, that was our first official meeting. If you go back and look into the church manual, it says there that an ordained pastor has the capability to organize a company, a group. He doesn't have to have the board approval or the conference approval. Any ordained minister starts a group, a company. And I had that privilege in that Sabbath school class. And what a joy. And I said, brethren, who would you like to see as our leader? Who would you like to see as our deacon, deaconesses, Sabbath school song leader? And immediately I have the list right here in my Bible. We started it. We want to grow. And also, I mentioned to them that I'm going to ask the directors of World Relief to come to our church and train any one of you who will like to be host to receive families that will come from Africa. Because they're bringing in about 150 people from there. Not all of them are Seventh-day Adventists. But I told him, this is the reason why the church exists. Amen? We're going to start a church. We're going to minister to those that will be coming. Share with them the good news of the gospel that we've been the object of. This is where I need your help. I need to know your names. We need to know their names. And let's love one another with the love that comes from the heart of God. Amen? We're looking forward to that. We want to grow in Christ to be that kind of individuals 
that will be a flavor of life to them. God in you and through you. I was so inspired when I saw the praise team that Tim put together for Sabbath school this morning. They came up and sang several hymns. We want to grow and let God manifest in you and through you this miracle of love. The world will know that you and I are his disciples if we have love for one another. Amen? There's so many things that I have to say and and we need to enter into our meditation this morning. But as we go into the word of God, would you please bow your heads with me as we pray together. Heavenly Father, this morning, we have an anticipation of heaven, what heaven is going to look like. Brothers and sisters from the four, different four corners of this world will come together before your throne from all nations, from all kindreds, kingdoms, and they will worship you from Sabbath to Sabbath. I can't wait until that day comes. But in the meantime, I pray that you will bond us in your love. That we will be children of God. We will no more pray, help me God to be your child. God can help us to do that. The only thing he can do for you and for me, brothers and sisters, as God makes it very plain in his word, is to make a new creation in Jesus. He cannot help me to be good. I am not good. But through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus can come. He is good. He can live his life in you and through you. That's the miracle we will every day pray for. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Everybody in this world has expectations. Everybody does. Expectations are sometimes realistic and sometimes they're not. Knowing the difference between them is the key for success in every relationship. Wherever we go, even here at church, you were having expectations. How our new pastor is going to be the pastor to us? Some of you having some ideas already? Some of you are still wondering how, what other things are this pastor going to come up with? We have expectations. Let's review what the dictionary tells us um, that could be useful, uh, practical definition of the word expectation. So, A, believe that something will happen or is likely to happen. Another one, feeling, noticed, feeling or believe about how successful, good, etc. someone or something will be. We all have expectations. The act or state of expecting, anticipation, Something is expected. 
Let's consider, for instance, for a moment, some of the common expectation people have in general. Okay? For instance, at the death of a relative, let's say grandparents, parents, or an uncle. What are people's expectations? Inheritance, right? What did grandpa leave me? What did uncle such and such? He was rich. He must have remembered me. People have expectations. Not always (laughs) found or based on most realities. But we have expectations. In marriage, there are expectations, good expectations and wrong expectations (coughs) that takes place in marriage. I'm going to mention to you some of the top five wrongful marriage expectations that you need to be aware of. Because it's sad when in marriage these expectations take place. The number one is all you need for marriage to work is love. Have you heard that? You see, is love really all we need for a solid and happy marriage? Well, depends on what your definition of love is. I have heard this statement much too often. We love each other, but why are we so unhappy together? So there is one. Number two, all I need is to talk openly and honestly All the time. That will take care of everything in our marriage. That's a wrong expectation. Number three. Babies make the marriage stronger. (laughs) Have you heard any of those ones before? Well, number four. Marriage makes me complete. Those are expectations people have. Oh, when I find him, when I find her, I'm going to be complete number five conflict means a lack of love that's wrong it's a false understanding or misconception even in churches when it comes to churches well we have this expectation about our pastor he's supposed to be a perfect model of what a Christian gentleman A Christian husband, his wife has got to look this way, act this way, dress this way, speak this way, and don't even mention the PKs, the pastor's kids. We have all kinds of lists of expectations for the pastor's kids. Isn't that true? Well, not really. (laughs) But we all have expectations. Particularly about the pastor, he has to have at least the prayer at church, 14 hours. He has to spend at least 18 hours preparing his sermon. He's got to put together 10 hours in outreach and evangelism every week. Notice. He's supposed to put together 15 hours at the hospital and visiting the sick. It doesn't stop there. Administrative functions, 18 hours. Community involvement, 5 hours. Denominational involvement, five hours. Church meetings, five hours. Worship services and preaching, four hours. Others, ten hours. 
Beloved, a total of 114 hours. This is what someone went out there and asked different people, what do you expect from your pastor? 114 hours. This is, brethren, this was uh, Tom Rainier, who recently shared statistics on elder expectation of the pastor's time based on a creative experiment he did several years ago. Now, this was just the elder. If I meet just the minimum expectation of 12 deacons, I would have to work more than 16 hours a day for 7 days a week. Or I could take one day off of the week, each week, and work 19 hours a day for six days a week. That way, just to teach or to meet the expectation of 12 of the deacons. And, and we could just go on and on and on. Everybody has expectations. What do we do about it? What are your expectations? What do you expect of your elders? of your deacon, deaconesses, of your pastor. Unless we humbly come before the Lord and consider, what are my expectations? Are they real or unreal? Are they based on the word of God? Are they based on what? What are the pastor's expectations, by the way? Does the pastor have expectations about you? What do you think? I see a lot of heads nodding. Yes. There are some expectations. But as dangerous as people can be, pastor is people too. Pastor needs to make sure that his expectations are based on the word of God. That your expectations, we can all put them together and make sure they are based, they are found solidly On the word of God. Amen. My friends. Beginning this week. An email is going to go out. All the committees. All the departments. All the ministries of the church. We're going to start meeting during the month of July. Making plans. And on the third Tuesday. Of July. It's going to come out on the bulletins. That church board meeting is going to be a church business meeting. So every one of you is invited to come to spend two hours together considering the plans for the next two years of our church. I tried to do that on a Sunday morning, but it was not a good idea. And so we're going to try this coming third Tuesday of July. Please pray about it. What would you like to see in your church happen? What is God impressing upon you to do for him in his church? When I went and read in that small piece of paper, what is God calling you to do? I was very encouraged to hear some of your expression. I will do whatever God asked me to do. I will go wherever he sends me. These are just some of the ones that I remember right at the top of my mind. Some of you said wonderful 
things that the Lord impress upon your mind about visiting the sick in the hospital, the shut-ins. Well, and the list just goes on and on and on. What is God calling you? What is he impressing you to do? And beloved, I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. The book of Hebrews. And let's consider, for closing this morning, what are God's expectations? We can laugh at our expectations sometimes, right? But when it comes to God's expectation, is when we really want to have our eyes, our ears, our hearts very open. What is it, God? What is it that you're calling us to do? This is the pastor's expectations. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 and 17. But do not forget, the Apostle Paul writes, but do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that will be unprofitable for you. Paul, speaking about the spiritual leaders, the elders, the pastors, the deacons, this is the expectation. Those that are leading spiritual over you is not easy. It is our human natural tendency to resist all authorities. Especially during the 60s, it was very common that the police would be called with a derogative name. It was very common. It was just a way society having no respect for authority. I'm embarrassed to say this. I did not invent it. But I was foolish enough to repeat how other kids in our university use a name for the principal, for the president of our school. It was wrong. It was wrong. We tend to put names, labels to people. That's our way to show disrespect for authority. And the Apostle Paul here, he's writing to the Christian church and saying, Beloved, but do not forget to do good, to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Pray for your spiritual leaders. Let them do so, the spiritual leaders, with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. This is my expectation to you, brethren. 
I don't want to make an expectation based on my ideas or my preconceived thoughts. But to follow what the Lord asks us there to do there. And now, Micah. Turn your Bibles to the minor prophet Micah. We're going to look into chapter 6. And among others, God is going to summarize it again for you and for me. What does he expect from you? What does he expect from us? Micah chapter 6, verse 8. You know it. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Number one, but to do justly. Number two, to love mercy. Number three, and to walk humbly with your God. I wish I could say I do all those, but I don't. The only hope for me, the only hope for you, for this to be a reality, is to daily ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see, according to Romans chapter 8, it says there, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. They don't live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The Spirit of God will lead you into these principles that God is asking of you, O man, O lady, O young man, O young lady. There's only one true way to find out what is God's expectation for you and for me. And we find that in one of the most tragic chapters written in the Bible. And that is Jeremiah chapter 23. The whole chapter, God just takes the mask and speaks with the most strong words about his pastors. God has a quarrel with all the pastors and the prophets that have not done their work on behalf of his children. And the reason why these pastors did not do their work is because of what you read there in Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 18. Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 18. For who has stood in the secret place of the Lord? And has perceived and heard his word? It's a question. Who has gone into the secret place of God, into the council of God? Have these men... The spiritual leaders, the pastor specifically, the whole chapter, there the Lord is just unmasking. He's taken away, exposing these men that were supposed to be in communion with God, hearing his voice, entering the secret place, the secret closet, speaking to God. God, speak to me through your word. They were not doing that. And he asked the question, for who has stood in the council in the secret place of the Lord and has perceived and heard his word? Who has marked his word and heard it? 
God's rebuke was very strong. And among others, he's mentioning that was part of the problem. If you want to know what is God expecting to you, go to the secret closet. Every other noise be turned off and hear the still voice of the Spirit of God through His Word and He will make it plain to you. What is He expecting from you? What what is God impressing upon you to do for Him in serving Him in this community, in your neighborhood, at work? He will put a name and no time in your mind. This is the person you need to pray for. And let them know about it. Go tell them, hey John, hey Joe, I just want you to know that in our family, we're praying for you and your family for the next 40 days. Let them know, your neighbor, your co-worker, your son, your daughter. Let them know that from your heart, it's not going to be a formal routine or a repetition. You're going to pour out your heart in intercession on his or her behalf. And you will see miracles happen in your life and in their lives. What is your expectation? What is my expectation? What is God's expectation for you this morning? I pray that as you hear his voice, he will make it very clear to you how he wants to lead and direct your life so that others will know him through you. Before we have prayer this morning, uh, if my brother Richard and Christy and the children uh, be the first one to step out by the door while I'm going to stand. And this is something I learned with some brethren, sharing the right hand of welcome to our new children family. They're going to join our children uh, group here in our congregation. Ask them for their name. Show a smile. Show your love for them in Christ. Don't fake it, okay? Make Don't do that. Let Jesus shine in you. May your hand express that you're happy for them to be here with us. Amen? All right. So they're going to stand there with me. And they're going to be the first one to shake their hands, give them a hug. And then we're going to go downstairs and share together in fellowship by God's grace. Amen? Let us pray together. Father, I can't wait until that day we will gather by the river. The river of life that flows from the throne of God. On each side of that river is the tree of life, which every month gives a different fruit. It's going to be for the healing of the nations. Thank you, Father, for the wonderful promises of your word. I have one expectation that I did not mention in the sermon, in this humble message. And is the miracle we are all praying for. To make this congregation the most loving, caring, kind congregation. For us, we don't have an idea how that's going to happen. 
But for you, nothing is impossible. So Lord, we're giving you permission. We're opening our hearts and giving you total control of every life. So that you can do this miracle beginning with me. May this be the prayer of every child of God present here this morning. May we look at each other through your eyes. May we never look again at any of your children with eyes of suspicion, of criticism, thinking that they need you more than I do. Thank you for hearing our prayer and for beginning this miracle right here, right now, with me. We all pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.